Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be fighting back the zombie horrors and talking about Zombies Ate My Neighbors for the Super Nintendo. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. We're back on our respective coasts, so let's talk some games. Woo! Let's do it! So, we are on episode 28, and you might be asking yourself, but what happened to Spyro? That's a great question, Chris. What happened to Spyro? Um, somebody might have forgotten to bring slash possibly lost their copy of Spyro for the it's Switch. It's the latter. It's the latter. I might have lost my copy of Spyro before we went on a three-week West Coast swing, so I couldn't play Spyro before this episode. <laughs> So we switch it up, and <laughs> Spyro is still happening. We are playing Spyro for the next episode. It's still going to be a when thing. When Chris buys another copy. So Spyro's still coming. We just had to delay it a little bit, and we appreciate yes. everyone for understanding. Sorry. <laughs> we did play some of this game beforehand, definitely uh, on... We played this on stream. We did. We streamed it together, because Chris and Lisa were on the West Coast for a bit. Yeah, it was fun. It was exhausting, but we are finally home. Another reason, obviously, for our delays between episodes is because Chris and Lisa were traveling about having a wonderful time visiting lots of people that they hadn't had the chance to see in quite some time. So we are happy they got a chance to that. We were happy to have them with us in our lovely West Coast abode. Uh, So it was a lot of fun. I hope you caught some of the streams. If you didn't get a chance to see it, you can still check out the VODs over at twitch.tv slash show. You can check us playing games together in person it's very very exciting go check that episode out because we made the mistake of doing the silly uh jelly bean spicy pepper challenge thing on stream that was during coast to coast co-op yeah during coast to coast and those jelly beans about killed me (laughs) (laughs) they were it was it was Great television, folks. I'll tell you yes. that. Half of half of the podcast decided to only do a little bit. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I wasn't. I heard enough. I didn't need to keep hurting myself. Oh God. The other fun news I wanted to mention in this little segment is the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters have started to make their appearances. They have dates of release now. Final Fantasy IV just came out on September 8th, so that's a good chance to play the Pixel remaster if you haven't had a chance to play it. I think uh, producer Kyle will be doing so. We have Final Fantasy V coming down the line. The other ones came out just in time for them to not be useful (laughs) for the podcast, but moving forward, we will be able to use them, yes. So uh, that's exciting, and if you like those Final Fantasy games, it's going to be something worth checking out for yourself as well. I think we should touch briefly on on something that we did together, only because it's kind of video game adjacent. adjacent? Yeah. Yeah. So East Coast, half of the podcast came out to the West Coast, and we hung out with you guys for for like a week, I think, in San Diego. We were there for a decent amount of time. And then we went to Vegas, all four of us, because... Vegas. Vegas. And we're looking for something to do, and we found this place that was like a, a hipster mecca, like hipster playgrounds. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. There was a video game arcade bar, so that was yes. fun. They had a really like 
hipster distillery. There was axe throwing. There was a quote unquote zip line, but it wasn't really a zip line, but it was cool views overhead. But it all, yeah. it's all a big part of it is a, what they like to say, an interactive art installation by a collective group called Meow Wolf. And specifically, it's called the Omega Mart. I almost want to say it's not really an escape room. No. Like it's sort of an escape room that you don't have to necessarily escape from. It's an interactive installation that yeah. we don't want to spoil too much. It was a lot of fun. It can get very crowded. So timing on it matters. You do have to buy tickets. But it, to, to see how you there's mysteries to solve and you go around and solve yes. mysteries. There's also slides to go down, which is fun. <laughs> there's interactive mysteries and stuff that you have to solve along the way. And they want you to participate. There's a bunch of actors slash quote unquote workers who you run into yes. who help you out. But they also are part of the storyline to a certain extent so they're really fun it's a it was a lot of fun it was funny because we asked before we went in we're like about how long does this take and someone's like yeah like hour and a half on average for more people yeah. we spent like three hours in there we were there for three hours and we could have easily spent several more hours like yeah. the world building that went into this place i mean i don't even know how big it was like it was it big was, it was probably at least half of this this yes in this, this space building. That, it was a big warehouse, entire, Yeah. And it was divided up into, like, three areas. The Omega Mart was a grocery store that was part of it. But, like, the, the amount of detail that went into the world building and little details everywhere was so phenomenal and so fascinating. Yeah. It was right up our nerdy alley, to be fair. Oh, like, all goodness, of us wanted yeah. to explore. We could have spent a lot more time. We... And by we, I mean me, got frustrated when we were trying to get stuff done. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. I was just getting angry because I was like, I wanted to solve things and it wasn't going the way I wanted. But that's a good thing. That's how invested we got in it. So it was a lot of fun. If yes. you're in Vegas area, we do recommend it. It just opened up this year. So it's still new. There's a ton of mysteries still surrounding it. So we went in and yeah. solved some things, but there's apparently a ton that nobody has solved yet so check it out if you have the chance it's called the omega mart it's a lot of fun it's called in area 15 is yes. the overall complex not a paid it's, advertisement it's, just something we had fun doing i was gonna say the the omega part of that was not necessarily cheap it was like 50 bucks mm -hmm. i think yeah but again we were in there for three hours and could have been in there for more than that if yeah. we weren't exhausted and they were literally trying to close yeah and it kick was, us out it, they were trying to kick us out so give yourself time is our point if you're yeah. nerdy and you like discovering your stuff and like digging in give yourself some time anyway i think that covers a lot of stuff a little bit of a longer intro section to discuss today but it's time to do our video game trope of the day Trope of the day! Meow wolf! Yeah. Meow wolf. <laughs> so this episode's trope of the day is tongue-in-cheek and meta-humor. Katie, what can you tell me about those words that I just said? <laughs> Other than I just want to go whenever I see tongue-in-cheek, which is so stupid. But You're an adult. I am an adult. So for this, we're kind of calling this, it's when you have a game or any type of media that is making an homage to something else. It's meant to make you laugh, though. This is definitely humor-based. It's very heavily humor-based. It's, in this case, when a video game knows that it is referring to something, it wants the everyone to realize what it's referring to, and... Mm -hmm. It wants you to be thinking of that other genre or game or type of game. 
Right. And reference to it. And normally it's still done in loving ways, but there's a lot of humor to it. It's like, you know, elbow you in the side, like, get it? Right. Get it? And it's not fourth wall breaking. You don't have the characters telling you this. You don't have, like, things too, too blatant necessarily. This is just, like, environmental things and style. It's, it's a little bit things. more subtle than that, or it's, can be more subtle than yes. that. There's good ways to execute this, and then there's clumsy ways to execute this. Exactly. Some great video game examples. Uh, Duke Nukem 3D and Duke Nukem in general, he was created to be an 80s action film star. Like, that's blatantly what he's supposed to be. He is an homage to them, but laughing and over the top and exaggerated and that's that's what he's meant to be. You're supposed to think of those 80 movie stars like Sylvester Stallone, like Arnold Schwarzenegger when you think of Duke Nukem. Which the original Duke Nukem 3D, I think, did a pretty good job of that. Duke Nukem Forever went into that like... Went too far. It went into that like scary movie, scary movie too, yeah. where it wasn't like... It was just references. Yeah. It's like, hey, look at this. It's a Master Chief helmet. Isn't that silly? Ha 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 ha. It's like, all right, you're, you're just pointing at things, making a reference rather than building like a style in. Right, exactly. And on the other end of things, we also have another great example is Team Fortress 2, which is one of your favorite games. Yes. And that is supposed to make fun of, in theory, first-person shooters. Now it is created its own <laughs> genre, basically. Now it is. Yeah, I was going to say, it didn't start out that way, but they just kind of went silly with it. Yeah, they went silly amazing. with it. And, they, and you know, the hats in the game and the fact that, yeah. like, each of the character classes are ridiculous. And mm-hmm. that's the point. It's self-referential. It knows what it's doing. And it's laughing at itself while you're laughing with it. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this. The Simpsons arcade game, which we got to play in person, all four of us. Yes. That was entertaining. That game, it's, it's a brawler. It's a beat-em-up down the street. But it's ridiculous because it's the Simpsons and their weapons are a vacuum and a jump rope and a skateboard. Yeah. It's paying homage to the genre while laughing at it at the same time. I think a lot of the early Lego games, especially the Lego Star Wars games, were very self-referential without necessarily being fourth wall breaking because that's that's very close to this but like they were very silly and they were referencing stuff in a weird fun way like that medium awareness like we're kind of in a video game yeah we're gonna we're gonna poke fun at the things that are actually happening in the storyline that sort of stuff but yeah, our game of the episode, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, is a loving homage to B-movie horror. Like, oh yeah, that is what this is. You have pod people, you have the zombies and werewolves, and you have a knockoff Chucky doll. And, well, yeah. you know, it's there are so many references throughout the game that you're supposed to be like, oh, it's like a B-horror film, lol. Yeah. And, and that's, it just, they know it. They're doing it on purpose. It's ridiculous. But, you know, that's part of the fun of the game. You mentioned Scary Movie. While that is a bit more over the top, it's the same idea that, especially the first one more than the later ones, was a lot of it was supposed to be like referring back at a comedic version of the horror movies while still following a lot of the same tropes. It still was laughing at itself. Yeah, I I think the first couple did an okay job of being a a parody in, in that like airplane naked gun style of exactly that it's naked it's gun's there. a great example yeah naked gun or uh, um what's what's the tv for police squad police squad. where they do like the the thing that i always remember from police squad is they do like the freeze frame yes then go to credits 
But then, like, it's not really a freeze frame because, like, stuff's happening in the background. Yeah, they while, freeze. While, like, the protagonists are frozen as the credits are scrolling. Uh, yeah, no, that kind of stuff. Cabin in the Woods is a great example. Uh, it's just, like... So many references. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, if you watch the movie, there's just references everywhere. Yeah. It's It takes the piss out of horror movies <laughs> while being a horror movie. All right. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of what we're going for here. These are games that still are within their genre. They still are games, but they're also making fun of themselves in the process. So mm-hmm. that's why tongue-in-cheek and meta-humor is this episode's video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! 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 <laughs> day! <laughs> so it is time to talk about the game of the episode. Katie, what can you tell me about Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Not Neighbors Ate My Zombies. I don't know why I kept saying it that way. <laughs> I just, every time, kept starting. I would always start with Neighbors. I never got through the yeah. whole title, but I always started with Neighbors. Anyways, Zombies Ate My Neighbors uh, was for the Super Nintendo as well as for the Sega Genesis. They both came out in 1993 and were developed by LucasArts. Um, we- LucasArts! LucasArts. We mostly played the SNES version, which is the version we're going to be focusing on today. As we mentioned in our trope, it is a loving homage to 80s horror B-films. Not even just 80s films, just like B-horror films. There's so many references throughout the whole game from the enemies to the environment. Even the chapter names are all film titles or references to film titles kind of thing. Like Evening of the Undead. (laughs) Or, like, very tongue-in-cheek, from chapter one, we're now in chapter seven, or yeah. stuff like that. For example, the chapter t- titles also refer to other movie genres, not just horror, because there were things like Dances with Werewolves, and <laughs> Seven Meals for Seven Zombies. And then they actually even did other references, like uh, Weird Kids on the Block. Mm-hmm. So, it just, again, the whole thing was meant in humor, just to laugh and... and pop culture references or classic culture references, depending on how you look at it. Development on the game began way back when. There's a lot of development in the picture, but for the SNES version, it used a horizontal resolution of 256 pixels. This required that the game radar be toggled on and off because they just couldn't afford to have it on the screen because it covered up too much of the screen, which is what we were dealing with constantly. However... On, that was for the SNES version. For the Sega version, it was for 320 pixels, so they could permanently leave the radar on screen, which is so funny. Another fun fact, and again, when we're talking about self-referential, LucasArts also did a game called Day of the Tentacle, which we may cover at some point because we both loved Wonderful that game. game. Yes. And you actually have a Day of the Tentacle level in this game. It's a secret yeah. level you can find because, of course, they're going to refer to their own games because, of course, they are. I definitely did not realize this was a LucasArts game because it was very un-LucasArtsy yeah. for the time-ish because they had all of those point-and-click adventures like yeah. Day of the Tentacle, like Sam and Max, I think, was LucasArts. When so. I was looking up facts and stuff like that, there are a lot of people who refer to this as one of LucasArts' best games because it wasn't just a point-and-click. It was way more than that. I think there's arguments to be made that it's not, but there's arguments yeah. to be made that it is because it was kind of ahead of its 
you know, predecessors. It was well ahead mm-hmm. of them and doing a lot of different things that those games didn't do because they were just point and click. So I think that is an interesting way to look at it. It just was a different style of game, which I think why yeah. the creators, I, I'm not going to go into the whole history of it here, but the creators, the two guys who worked on it, it took them a while to get it greenlit because it was just so different than what LucasArts normally did. Yeah, that makes sense. Overall, the game, again, with the B-horror elements, of course, horror is not normally uh, for children a lot of times. Uh, (laughs) So the game was subject to quite a bit of censorship. Even though this came out before the ESRB existed, Nintendo didn't want violence in their video games. So Nintendo made them change all of the blood to purple ooze. (laughs) And then also in Europe... They had even further censorship because uh, they did have a committee at the time. So it changed things like the game was called just zombies instead of zombies ate my neighbors because I guess that's less violent. And then <laughs> also things like the chainsaw wielding enemy, which is, you know, K, was changed yeah. to a lumberjack with an axe. Like, I don't see how that's that different. <laughs> I, yeah. You kind of lose the reference because the chainsaw was like like a Jason Voorhees. Right, right. That's why I yeah. was like, I, I don't know if um, Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was out in 93, but that's what I think of. But that's more, mm. maybe more modern. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the point is, it's kind of funny. They're like, lumberjacks are less violent. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, So there was some censorship across the board, so it's kind of interesting to look at it that way. Last fun fact I wanted to mention, there was a possible movie adaptation somehow. I could see that, especially if you made, like, kids-ish, like, kind of like a PG, especially since the protagonists were kids. kids. Yeah, Yeah. but it was, this was back in 2011, and uh, nothing's come of it since, so... Last part of the rumors with that they were trying to get the rights from LucasArts, so it might have just gotten kind of stuck right there and never ended up happening, but they were talking about it for a while. Guaranteed there's some film student out there that has done some sort of adaptation oh, on YouTube. have to. With have squirt to. guns and something like that. It would be not easy to do, because filming isn't easy, but there'd be, like, I could see it as a student project very easily. Yeah. Looking at the critical reception of the game, game rankings had the aggregate score of 84.5%, so a really solid score for the game. However, mm-hmm. it didn't really sell and wasn't very popular at the time. It's really considered a cult classic and didn't get really popular till years down the line. Now, it did eventually get popular enough that there was a sequel afterward, yeah. but it didn't commercially sell the way that they did really really wanted it to and it's definitely more looked back at now in more modern era a lot better than i think it was initially when it first came out which is interesting because i feel like we played it a ton yeah growing up because it was one of the games that we had available to us yeah and i i think you know again co-op games uh were really appealing to us and to a lot of kids because you want to play with your friends Uh, And Mm -hmm. this was a really fun co-op game. So it is interesting that we really liked it and had really fond memories of it. But apparently it wasn't necessarily received well by the public. It wasn't bad. Clearly it was good enough they had a sequel. But Mm -hmm. it it didn't sell those record numbers like we talk about a lot in this section. It it sold fine. But at the end of the day, it sold well enough. But it definitely is considered a cult classic more than anything else. 
Which is funny because that almost fits into the aesthetic that they were going for with the B-movie. Like, no way we got any of the B-movie references that were in oh, this game. Oh, no, not as kids. Not for, but, not at but all. But the fact that it's a cult classic and it's literally trying to reference cult classic movies is kind of a, a fitting bit of irony. Oh, for sure. And it kind of makes me curious if... It's those kids who enjoyed playing when they were young and didn't understand all the references, then going back when they were older, really understanding it and liking it more that really propelled its popularity. And I wonder if it's one of those things where it was it was right around that shift talking about like before the ESRB was formed, going back to like Wolfenstein kind of it was in that area where where gaming was kind of growing up. Yeah. Where you went from it was aimed at kids to being aimed at adults, and it, if you're kind of in that middle ground, it might have, like, missed, yeah, for lack of a better term. Especially because, again, yeah, B-movie references are not things that kids yeah. are going to get, but the main characters were kids, so it doesn't yeah. strike you as an adult game. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they it, that's kind of why it fell into, the, into that middle gap until it had years to age and be appreciated yeah. by a wider group of people. So it, it is popular now even if it wasn't initially very popular and as i say it's popular now because there are still speed runs being done we like to talk about our speed runs uh for an any percent speed run we have philiv completed the game in 31 minutes and 13 seconds just one month ago jeez super quick oh, yeah. they did have a 100 percent completion as well philiv again completed it in one hour 18 minutes and 20 seconds that was four months ago but that was a much more limited group of people trying that the the more popular one definitely is just completing it at any percentage but that is really really fast I'm assuming 100% is rescuing all of the neighbors. It has to be rescuing every single neighbor. So I think we've covered the background of this game, which means it is time to throw it to past Katie and Chris. So let's see what we thought about this game before we played it again. You ready? Let's go. Woo! The Chiacarina of Time means we're back in the past, ready to talk about the game before we had a chance to play it. So, Chris, what do you remember about Zombies Ate My Neighbors? I remember that we played this game almost entirely at our babysitters. Yes, I was really afraid I was remembering that wrong, and I was like, No, I don't, I don't think our, any of our friends had it. I think no. it was just the babysitter's house. But I do remember And we played it, it a lot. I was going to say, I remember playing it a yeah. lot at the babysitter's house. I remember we weren't very good at it. I, mean, I definitely remember, I, I mean, yeah, we were, if we were at a babysitter's, we probably weren't the best <laughs> at playing video games at the time. And she didn't bring it out, the systems out all that often, because she tried to restrict how often we used them, but it was one of the yeah. games we definitely played quite often when she would bring them out. That's yeah. a Power Rangers game. <laughs> I was going to say we need more of those, but like, side-scroller brawlers are everywhere now, yeah. so <laughs> we don't need any more of those games. This game was not a side-scrolling brawler. This no. game was a like top-down, maybe slightly isometric. Yeah, because you could definitely see like the buildings would be. I remember vaguely like you could see like getting into the buildings, the side, like the way they were built was mm-hmm. like kind of 3D. You wouldn't look directly onto the roof. You could see like the walls and stuff. Yeah, but like all the movement was just in 2D. So Yes, and I remember there were two characters you could play, a boy and a girl at the beginning, I want to say. Like you could pick one and I want to say there was a two-player mode. There I there was definitely a co-op mode. Okay. 
Yeah, there was definitely a co-op mode. And, like, the boy had 3D glasses. That's right. And, like, spiky blonde hair, maybe? That's right. I don't remember anything about the girl character. I don't remember what she looks like either. I just know that I always played the girl. That's fair. I feel like I always played the boy, so. Yeah, as you do. Unless we were playing with the babysitter's son. Yeah. Then it was whatever he wasn't. (laughs) Because he was the only reason we would get by things and be good. Yes. Because he was older (laughs) than us. (laughs) Yes. But this is one of those games that, like, I will hear the title of and always remember it and then not remember a lot of details. And I remember when I was looking up to see, you know, recently it's actually just come out on the Switch. Which is horribly convenient. So convenient. I saw one of the the pictures of it. And I was like, oh my God, I remember so much about this game. Nice. Just, yeah. I clicked in and I was like, this game. Okay, now it all makes sense in my brain. Now I remember it all. It was just a really <laughs> funny, like just seeing the one picture of it, like it just clicked right back into my brain of like, that's why I like this game so much. Yep. No, I know what we're talking about now. I, you know, the whole concept was like you had to find your neighbors and rescue them and bring them back. So it was basically all escort mission, essentially. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, but we... they were just like, no, I guess they weren't just sitting around. You, you had to, you had to get them, them. You had to find them, and if the zombie touched them, they yeah. would die. Or so that's the other thing is there were more than zombies in this game. I remember it had. Yes, zombies were there, but there were, like, UFOs. I blatantly remember, like, aliens and UFOs in this game, too. It got real weird. That's like, what, it was, like, deep I remember in the one of the sci-fi. bosses was, yeah. It, yeah, kind of like that pulpy, yeah. pulpy old sci-fi. B-movie. I remember one of the bosses was a giant baby. Yes, yes. I, I remember there was probably, I think there was a giant plant monster. Probably. I think... I just yeah. remember there were a lot of different areas and a lot of different levels. And yeah, the whole point was you had to rescue as like many neighbors in each area as possible. And they were like this the archetypes of like the old man and like the mm-hmm. cheerleader and like the football. The, the vacationing couple. The vacationing couple. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember and you would find them and escort them around and I remember all the. I don't think you had to escort them. I think you just had to them? touch them. Mm. Yeah, find them and touch them, and then they were saved. But it was like a timing. And then thing. once you got, it was either a timing or just again like you needed to rescue a certain number. Yeah. And it was one of those things, you know, you didn't really have to rush, but if you got close to them, it would essentially activate everything in that area. Right. That which sense. I'm assuming was like a programming trick, so you're not, you know, taking gobs of memory that the SNES didn't have. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I remember the weapons were very found weapon style. Like, I want to say you had a water gun was one of the main Yeah, you ones. started you started with a squirt gun. Okay, okay. That had limited ammo. Yes! That was the big thing. It had limited ammo. It, I think. Or there was a way to kind of refill it, or maybe just get a different one. I don't remember. I don't, yeah, I think you could find ammo for it, but... Like, the default weapon you could run out of, and then you're just, like, up a creek. Yeah, but I, I remember like. there were, like, yeah, but it was all about, like, found weapons. Like, you would in a neighborhood, yeah. like, a, a lawnmower-type yeah. thing or something, like... Oh, I forgot that might be a thing. I know there was a fire extinguisher. Oh, that's right. I want to say there was probably, like, a flamethrower <laughs> and or rocket launcher. I was really trying to remember some of these weapons, because I know there are a ton. Yeah, I want to say there was really a fun. lot. To find the different types of weapons. Yeah, I remember, like, the neighborhood. I remember a mall. I mostly remember being outside for yeah. the game. Like, that... I know you went inside. I know that was part of it. But most of my memories of playing it were, like, being outside and wandering outside. And you'd go into, like... 
not hedge mages, but it was like you'd go in between like neighborhood backyards and stuff. Yeah. And, and I feel like that around. was just the first level. Pro- probably which we what just I played, played the most. constantly <laughs> because we were bad at the game. And that's something. Well, that's again with these games that had no save points. You couldn't. Yeah. Even come back to it. We didn't own this system. So it was no. whenever we had the chance to play it. So we would have to start all over every single time. So you always yeah. I don't. I don't levels. think there was saves in this game, right? I don't game, think right? so either. Yeah, there might have been like codes for different levels. We wouldn't have known them. Yeah, this game was not easy for for young Chris and Katie. I remember no. that because the enemies I feel like were constantly respawning. Yes, there was which no again made the lack of level. ammo difficult or yes. very finite ammo difficult. Yeah, so it, there was no clearing a level. You had to maneuver, and sometimes I I want to say the like we did. It's kind of you know the bare minimum to get to each yeah. next level. But yeah. you know we didn't care. You know it was all about playing and having fun with it. And I do just again, it's another one of those games that sticks out in my memory of just having a lot of fun and playing it because it was one of those. Yeah. Well, what game do you want to play? Well, this game because again, having co op is huge in these games as well because it was a great oh, yeah. game. We could when we were there and we could just both hop on and play or especially when you're at a babysitter's house, you have to share those kind of things. So it was, even if it wasn't the two of us, it was us and the babysitter's kid or us and another kid or stuff like that. So yeah. games that had two player mode made it so much easier. I remember a bunch of the noises too. Really? Like I won't say a bunch, but I remember like the weird yelling noise when you would hit start. Like it's a, a like a screaming monster noise. Oh god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember the the noise when the guy gets hit by anything. He just kind of goes, "Oh." Oh god, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh no. I also remember the fact that different neighbors were worth different values. So, yeah. so I remember being like, oh, well, if you're going to save one, because there was a point system. So it was like, if you're going to save one, you want to save the high value neighbor. Like, I want to say the tourists were worth more for some reason. Yeah. Versus the, like, cheerleader or something. So now I'm trying to remember, did you move on based on points or just number of people saved? Because I remember when you when you hit that threshold, a little exit door would appear and you would leave oh that's right it just like it's not like you had to find it it just appeared yeah it just kind of like drew itself with the little exit sign and then you disappeared i'm i'm looking forward to playing this again again it's one of the games we've i feel like i've mentioned all the time and i've i remember people talking about it and i just didn't have any direct memories associated to it until i saw this one picture and was like oh my god i remember (laughs) so much more about it now yeah so i'm really looking forward to it what then do you give this game as a rose tinted score chris i mean my rose tinted score is going to be a nine because i just remember having a blast i remember it was hard but that was probably my fault i just needed to get good Get good. I remember it being so engaging and fun and funny. I really remember enjoying this game. How about you? I think I have to give it an 8 out of 10 just because, again, frustration levels. And I was a kid who'd get frustrated easily. But again, I remember nothing but having fun with it. I remember it being a go-to game for us to play Mm -hmm. and enjoying playing it as much as possible, even though I wasn't great at it. So definitely going to give it an 8 out of 10. What do you think then your predicted score is going to be? This is really, really hard because I feel like there's probably going to be gameplay elements that are going to be frustrating. I feel like I say that every time, but (laughs) I'm going to put my projected score at a seven and a half. 
I think it's going to be fun, but frustrating still. Fair enough. Because I have vague memories of, of playing a ROM of this at some point in my life, probably in college. Probably in college. Yeah. What about you? What's your projected score? Yeah, I'm going to have to give it a seven because I just don't know how well it's going to hold up. I, I worry that my frustration is going to boil over and the enjoyment won't be as much because of that. Mm-hmm. But again, it it's one of those games that I don't know if I've played anything like it since. And so the nostalgia That's and point. the differentness of the game might actually mm-hmm. play to its favor. So I'm looking forward to playing it. Agreed. So there you have it. An 8 out of 10 Rose score for Katie, a 9 out of 10 for me, a predicted score of 7 out of 10 for Katie, and a 7.5 for me. So let's go and play this game. So hit that Chiacarina of Time where we can skip all of that nonsense and just start talking about it. Let's go! Ooh! And once again, the Chiacarina of Times brings us back to the present, back to when we've actually had a chance to play the game. So, Chris, tell me a little bit more about Zombies Ate My Neighbors. So, the basic premise of Zombies Ate My Neighbors, not super in-depth. There is a nefarious Dr. Tongue who unleashed a bunch of monsters, zombies, whatever, on suburbia. Also, Egyptian pyramids and castles and a lagoon at some point. Yeah. So your your job is to play as either Zeke or Julie, uh, the two main characters, and you have to rescue all of your neighbors, pets, friends, whatever. So uh, that essentially frames into there are what forty levels. A lot. Yeah, forty-eight, 48 including all levels. of the secrets. I think. And each level has 10 neighbors that you have to rescue. Mm -hmm. You have to rescue, I think, at least one per level to be able to pass. You do. Because they can be, um, well, killed, for lack of a better term. (laughs) Yeah. If they're touched by an enemy. Yeah, if you don't get to them first, the enemies can get to them. And as soon as they touch them, they're gone and you can't get to them. And an awful screaming noise. Yeah, awful screaming noise. With the exception of the tourists, if it gets to nighttime, they turn into werewolves. Yes. Spoilers. Jerks. So it's run around a level, save your neighbors. You need to get at least one. Per level. Per level. The last neighbor that you save or is killed, assuming you got at least one, a door to the next level opens. Literally wherever you're standing. Yes. Contrary to the name, it's not just zombies. There are a buttload of enemies. There are pod people, which are just clones of the main characters. There are jelly things. Ants, there are weird jelly things, there are werewolves, there are football players. There's a Chucky knockoff. Yeah, Chucky knockoff. There are, uh, there's the, as we mentioned, creatures. The, the chainsaw guy. Chainsaw guy, mummies. There's a lot of people running around. Yes. Really, that's kind of it? It's a very basic game at the end it's of the day. It's a very basic game it, with a lot of levels. 48 levels, save 10 friends, neighbors, people per level. Occasionally there are boss fights and that's that's really about it. It's a very, very simple premise. Yeah. So you've got three lives. Yes, that you can earn I guess more that's of. another thing. You can earn more. You've got, what, like 10 health bars and, you know, you get hit and it takes it away. You've got some health kits. 
So there was no save system in these in this game. Passwords. There were, there were passwords every what about five levels? I think something like that. It felt like we were desperately trying to get five levels at a time. Yeah. Because you would essentially get the password for the next area, die, and then start over with full lives. Yes. But. One thing that was almost a handicap about that is you lost all of your weapons and items, yes. which are things in this game. So there were a ton of different weapons. Like you started with a generic squirt gun, yeah. but could pick up, I mean, loads of things. Fire extinguisher, soda cans, weed which would freeze thing. Weed whacker, which was incredibly important against weed enemies, obviously. Zombie plants. Zombie, yeah. You could get a bazooka, which could burst through walls. Uh, there were ice pops you could throw at people. Yeah, so like a lot of the weapons, they didn't necessarily... I think in the guide, they kind of talked about it because they, there was a guide and if the Switch version was great actually because it came with a digital copy of the guide. So it was really cool and it would show like all of the weapons and all the enemies. But like certain weapons were very effective against certain enemies. So you could get forks and knives which were very good against werewolves because it was silverware. I actually had to laugh because we got a fork and knife and I was like, why would we need this? And Chris yeah. immediately was like, it's silverware against werewolves. I was like, oh my God. And it was like a one hit kill against werewolves. It was, it's just like, it's funny. Again, the tongue in cheek stuff of that, the fact that yeah. I think the ice pops could freeze certain enemies, things like yeah. that. Like it just kind of silly and ridiculous. I mean, there was a potion you could drink that turned you into a monster that could punch a bunch of yeah. people and punch through walls. That was fun. I think that was one of the power up. So like you could get like that, you could get speed shoes, which I didn't find very helpful because uh, you could run away faster, but yeah, it's not really great in this game. There were also, of course, med kits to help out with your health. Yes. And again, you can get more lives by, if you think if you hit certain point totals, you would get extra lives. But you could find med kits that not only gave you health on the spot if you wanted, but more of you could hold on to and use when you needed. It was an item that yeah. you could use to revive some of your health. Uh, you got keys. Keys, yeah, because there were doors you needed keys for, which was really frustrating when you could kind of like bash through walls as the monster or with a the bazooka. bazooka, but sometimes you would just get stuck. And only certain walls could be broken, to be fair. Yes, yeah, it was it was the old Zelda thing where it was a cracked wall. But it was really frustrating because you, you would sometimes hit where you think is the cracked wall and it wouldn't be, so you wasted like a bazooka on a not cracked wall. It was like two pixels to the right or something, and you'd be like, yeah, ah, you knew where I was the, aiming. The aiming. The aiming was a little bit frustrating in this game. It was a bit annoying. <laughs> the, uh, the decoys, they were like inflatable clowns that would attract attention and made the most obnoxious noise. <laughs> hated it because every time you deployed it, it was making that noise yes awful the sounds in this game were were something else between the very visceral weapon noises of like the bazooka mm -hmm. or all the weapons had a very distinct sound the enemies half the enemies had a very distinct sound like the werewolves the fake chucky dolls oh yeah they would make the weird they're weird laughing. So many weird laughs. But yeah, so the game was just survive, find as many neighbors as you can, and move on to the yeah. next level. I will say we did a pretty good job in in our Rose segment of remembering yeah. things. Like, we remember the characters, we remembered a bunch of the weapons, and a couple of the bosses, we remember the giant baby boss. The, the baby boss is weird, and again, 
check out the yeah. VODs of this game because Chris encountered <laughs> the giant baby boss and it got stuck in a corner at one point and yeah. uh, it wasn't happy. <laughs> I forgot about the weird uh, worm boss. Uh, yeah, that I was... I think that's one that I actually skipped. That was hard because we just... Yeah. Just, just trying to kill that sucker. And I just, you know, again... You've been on the podcast with us for a while now. If you're not, you're new. You'll learn this quickly. (laughs) I have no patience, so I would just run Uh at things, which is not the way to play this game. And the other thing is there's limited ammo. So you can pick up a lot of ammo as you go, but it is limited. So you had to start being careful at times and switching through things. There was also, that just reminded me, there was that holy cross that you could use. Yes, which was good against vampires. Which is good against vampires. Yes. But, like, the limited ammo could get tough sometimes, especially, again, if you're coming back with the password and you do have limited ammo, you could be in a tough spot. But it also meant there were ways in this game to get stuck and have nothing to do except for fail. Because you can get stuck in an area where you need a key to go beyond it, you can't get a key, and you have no ammo, so there's literally nothing you can do. That's a problem, and that's that's painful at times. Because there are times when you and I would get somewhere and be like, we are so low in ammo, there's just nothing we can do right now. Oh yeah, and I hit that in my playthrough right before we recorded, where it's like, use a password for late levels. And, and we kind of alluded this that's probably why if you were playing co-op and your co-op partner died, it reduced Yeah, cuz you had the, less weapons. Necessary. Yeah, because like that person, I think when we were playing, it was like you were like just take all of the weapons because yeah. I'm probably going to die. <laughs> More than that, it was like take the health kits cuz I'm just going yeah. to die and it's not worth it for me to the weapons I would sometimes take, but the health kits I was like there's only yeah. so many of those you need to take those because I'm just going to die either way. The health kits only going to prolong it for like 30 seconds. It's not going to be long. <laughs> And, like, starting with those passwords where you literally start with just the squirt gun and, like, 200 rounds of ammo or whatever. The encouragement is to play through the whole game and not use the passwords. That's for sure. But it's tough because you only have three lives to start with. Yeah. Now, we talk about the points and how many points you get. You get points by beating the level. You get points for the number of neighbors you get. Each neighbor has a different points value as well, even though you have no control of that. And that kind of is what annoys me about that is when you say a neighbor, you get a certain amount of points, but you don't control what neighbors show up in each level. They're not random. I think there are certain neighbors that show up in each level. The points are like the cheerleaders are the most points at a thousand points. And then the barbecue guy, because you can find a guy at a barbecue, is only five points. But his burgers are worth like 500, if you look. Are they really? It's, he, it's, it's, two, point, it's two point values. He's worth like five, but the area where his burgers are are like 500 or whatever. Amazing. It always bothered me <laughs> that the two tourists count as 200 points. That's it. That's not much for two yeah. people. The baby was worth 700, so, you know, save the babies. I do like how Save the Cheerleader started way before Heroes. Yeah. God. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is kind of interesting. You go for points, and I think that's the other reason, again, going back to having co-op, you're less likely to have extra lives because you have a co-op partner taking your points. Because it's not you combined points. bonus points for saving more you did. neighbors than your partner. And I got that every once in a while mostly because i think you let me get the neighbors but whatever (laughs) i'll take the wins where i could get them can we talk about how it seemed like there was very tight level design for like the first maybe five to ten levels like the theming was very on point Mm -hmm. and then kind of after that it was just 
a bit of a grab bag of we want to extend this game's length. So we're just going to start, especially like after level 15 into like the 20s. The difficulty ramped up and they just started throwing everything together. Before it was like, all right, you're in a neighborhood with just regular zombies. And it's like, all right, you're in a hedge maze with the chainsaw zombies that can cut through. Yeah. And now you're in uh, the pod people level. Yeah. And then after you get through a bunch, it's like, yeah, we're just throwing random mixes of enemies into random settings. It's like, I, I don't know. Just give me a level. Yeah. It was, I'm sure there are some themes in there, but it just got really stressful in those later levels as well. Yeah. Because you, you, we would get trapped a lot of times and you didn't, starting to get into the discussion of how we felt with the game. It was so easy to get lost in these levels because you had the radar, but the radar wasn't exact. It just told you a general direction you wanted to go if yeah. one of the neighbors was within a certain distance of you. Sometimes you had no idea what direction to walk in. So yeah. you're just like trying to figure stuff out and that could get really frustrating at times, especially because as we called out in the rose section, you can't clear a level. The enemies just keep coming. That is a sin against this game is the continuously respawning enemies. I mean, that's a classic Nintendo of that era. Of it is. Oh God. And I can see where in this game it makes sense, but it makes it, it just ramps up the difficulty, especially with the very, very limited lives. It makes it, it can be brutal sometimes, but yeah. but it is part of the game. And I'm sure that's why some people really like it is because it's really difficult and you can't yeah. just kind of cheat it, cheat it. I mean, obviously with the speed run you can, but if you're just playing the game, you can't cheat it. You have to just find your way through. Yeah. I still think it is rude when you get neighbors that only give you like five or ten points. Just rude. You know, honestly, I didn't even care about the points at some point. Yeah. It was one of those like, kind of in that speed running mentality. It's like, I got one. Just open the darn door. Especially when you've got a neighbor that's behind a random wall. Oh, God, I think the, I the last level, I was like, I literally do not know how to get over there. And, and at one point, you're just like, just let the monsters eat it so I can finish. Yeah. <laughs> Just eat it so I can move on. Yeah. And that was kind of some frustrations that we dealt with at times. The lack of ammo could be tough again. And the keys, like having to balance between having keys, using a bazooka, which again, limited ammo. There were a lot of things. And sometimes what killed me were there were times you'd use a key to go through a door and you realize if you'd walk 20 feet to the right, you just walk around the building and there's an open door. And you're like, oh, why did I waste yeah. a key right there? Or there would be like double doors and you accidentally walk into both of them and yeah. burn two keys when you only needed one. Yeah, and that's raw. Uh, you know, yeah. but again, the environments were really, really cool most of the time. Like you had, again, the standard one was outside in the neighborhood uh, and there was yeah. pools and there were houses you'd go into and there were trampolines to get you over walls. That was, I remember that part. I don't think I mentioned in the rooms, yeah. but I do, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I remember the trampolines and you jump over walls and you know, there's fun stuff there. There was a mall you end up getting to like, there's some really clever designs in the game. And then they ran out of ideas again, once you get past like level 20 and to be fair, fits with the B-movie genre again of just that is true. repetitive <laughs> ideas. What do we do now? Uh, giant ants. That's a good enemy. Just just recycle the same ones and put different things in them. Exactly. Oh, we're in the ball again, but there's ants. Also a baby and aliens. Oh, God, the giant UFO looked uh, so obnoxious. Well, and it covered half the screen. Those are very aggressive aliens, by the way. Very aggressive aliens. Also, we talked about the zombie plant thing. They would love to throw that in there, so if you like walked over it, it would hurt you. Yeah. 
But especially if you used a password, you wouldn't necessarily have the weed whacker, which made some of those sections pretty much, I won't say impossible, but you were guaranteed to not get through them without losing a bunch of health. Yeah, exactly. Typically, they had weed whackers somewhere, but... You had to normally lose some health to get to the weed whacker if you didn't already have it. I will say the exploration in this game was pretty on point for LucasArts at the time with all the point and click stuff. So get it on point, point and click. On point. Yeah, yeah. I got there eventually. (laughs) But I I think the thing is the exploration was really fun in those initial couple levels. And it's not that the later levels weren't fun. It's that knowing how hard it was to get there and having the passwords make it so much harder exploration felt not as rewarding because you were risking way more than you were receiving by exploring it was challenging in the sense that it just dragged on forever it was really again 48 levels is a lot lot of levels i think i made it through 25 that's way beyond i think i ended up at the 15 mark so boy it was rough so overall, there was a lot of really cool things about it. It was just as bright and colorful as I remembered. And it's just, it, it was a lot of fun. And the tongue-in-cheek humor and the yeah. references I didn't get as a kid and I only got when I got older. Definitely all there. And it was a lot of fun. But overall, Chris, what is the final score you would give Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Your rose-tinted score was a nine. Your predicted score, I will tell you after you tell me your current score. I'm going to go with a score of seven. It was fun, but frustrating. It kind of dragged on. Like, the aesthetics were very, very cool, but it was just... The game has a lot of replayability, for sure, but I think it's hard to sit there and play long chunks of it. It's got replayability, but kind of, ironically, it kind of drags in the back end, because it's just like, oh god, another level. And I can appreciate where it's got a ton of depth to this game. Mm -hmm. Like, you can play it for a long time. Because it's going to make it worth the money. But I'm going to use a word. It turned into a slog. A uh, bit. Yeah. So. You predicted a seven and a half. So just about. Oh, no, that's fair. So what about you? Your rose score was an eight out of ten. What would you give the score now that you've played it again? I have to drop it to a six. It just was really rough by the end. And I don't think I could play it without a co-op partner. It just wouldn't be enjoyable playing it solo for just me. I just, uh-huh. I would, I not just because I'm not good. I just don't, it's more fun if you're yelling at your partner and having fun oh, with yeah. it. It, de- it definitely would not have appealed to me solo. And I think that was true as a kid too. That's why we liked playing the game was because of the co-op elements. But it just, it was a lot of fun and the colors are great and it, there were elements, but I, I couldn't play it for long periods of time and i definitely couldn't play it without someone else so i have to leave it at a six i think if the failure condition was restart the level over that would make this game like jump up two points because it's there but again it's that old school nintendo incredibly punishing which again lots of people like or have saves saves would help instead of passwords just be able to save so you kept all of your weapons and stuff yeah that, that is incredibly true. Like, this is, it's almost an amazing game, but it falls victim to what games were at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not fair, but eh, I don't care. We don't have to be fair. So, as we mentioned, it did gain popularity 
as a cult classic in the long run, which is why perfect timing for this episode, because it had just come out on the Switch, Xbox One, and Windows in 2021 as a, a remaster of both the original and the sequel, Ghoul Patrol. Uh, so it is available right now in the Nintendo eShop for the Switch or for the Xbox One for digital download as well as on Windows. But would you recommend people buy it, Chris? I would. It wasn't that expensive. It was fun. Play it with a friend. It's way better in co-op. It does come with Ghoul Patrol. It's the same game. It's literally the same game. Same characters, everything. Same characters. I think there's unlimited ammo for the starter weapon, which is handy. Yeah. I didn't play that much of it, but... But yeah. It also comes with, as we said, copies of the manual. It comes with all of the sprite animations in like a gallery, Ooh, which is kind of cool. So I would say go and buy it. It's it's a fun little retro throwback. If you love B-horror movies, definitely pick it up. Yeah. And again, if you played it as a kid, especially if you're looking for a fun co-op game, this is a great game to pick up again. It's a fun one that you could just play for a little bit at time and let it go if you want to. Again, you could play it the way we did as kids, which is replaying those early levels over and over again and still probably oh, find yeah. a lot of enjoyment. It's just practice. You could just play them over and over and over again. Over and over and memorize it. Once you get past the first 10 levels, it's just kind of rinse and repeat with slightly different variations. So just as I said, just like your great B-horror movies. Yeah. (laughs) So on that note, we are wrapping up this episode. Our next episode, as we said, is going to be Spyro and we're going to do it this time. We promise. Yes, I will either find that stupid game or buy it again because i'm the worst you're the worst so next episode will be spyro the dragon and then looking forward a little bit further spoilers not spoilers episode 30 is going to be final fantasy 5 so look forward to that as well yay we are still on a once a month schedule but we are streaming still pretty often so you can check us out yes. on twitch at gwgw show you can also check out all of our social media at gwgw show we're around talk to us help us out send us advice because sometimes we need it yes we've gotten some great advice because katie went back and tried to play final fantasy 4 and didn't do great failed miserably but we got some we got some great advice from a listener so thank you send that advice we need it we need help for a lot of things which is an easy way to say a big thank you to all of our listeners and all of our watchers and all the people we talk to on social media we couldn't do this without you it's so much more fun with you guys big thanks to the producers obviously we couldn't do it without lisa and kyle you guys are great And you can find us, all four of us on Twitch and the two of us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all of the above. Find us, give us five-star reviews, and uh, we'll see you next episode. So say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye! The uh, VODs are still available at twitch.tv slash DG balls. I think twitch.tv slash balls is a different channel.